Welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast, where reverence meets relevance. We are currently in a four-part Christmas series titled, You Got Christmas. In this series, Dr. Benji Kelly teaches from Isaiah 9, 1-6, and the unbelievable way in which God has Christmased us with Jesus. The Bible calls him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We hope you are encouraged and challenged to experience the love of God in ways that are fresh and relevant and spread that love to others. How you doing? Yes, 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 yes. Good morning. Good morning to you guys here at Central and all of our campuses all over the global movement. Good morning and welcome to anyone who might be watching this in Columbia, South Carolina, because you heard that we are coming your way. It is true. September 22nd, we are coming to Columbia, South Carolina, and we are fired up, fired up, fired up, fired up. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is. Whenever you're watching this around the world, on the internet or television ministry or any of our campuses, whatever the case might be, I'm so glad you guys are here, and uh, I trust that you just finished at the campus level in some great worship like we just did, and I just think, uh, I think it'd be most appropriate today if we just let our worship leaders know, and I'm talking about Brian Fuller, I'm talking about Brian Wall, I'm talking about Bradford Mitchell at the Sanford campus, I'm talking about all these guys and all their staff and all the musicians and instrumentalists and technicians. Can we just give them some love this morning? Spread the love, spread the love. I watched the internet campus this week. We've started showing that not just on Sunday evenings now, but I watched it. I think it was on uh, Friday, in fact. It's like it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday now, almost all day long. And I was watching it, and I had two very distinct thoughts as I watched uh, me shatter that glass last week. And if you missed last week's message, uh, you can go to the Resource Center and pick it up. Uh, it's on Wonderful Counselor. And uh, as I watched the internet campus, I really was in a place where I kind of needed it, you know what I mean? And so I watched the worship and I watched the experience and I, I had two distinct thoughts. The first one was this, I would be so lost and dead and probably in hell if it were not for Jesus Christ. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. And then the second thought I had um, was, man, I am around some talented people uh, in this ministry and in this church, and it's just so very, very cool. Hey, um, I don't know if you heard what happened on Monday night. We had like the largest Abundant Life membership class we've ever had in the history of this church. When you add everybody up, kids included, it was somewhere around 250 people at Abundant Life, and I always like to show you the pictures of those folks. So let me show you some pictures. Look at Central Campus. <laughs> That's just Central Campus. So if you're a member here, well, I tell you what, let's just hold it at all of our campuses and we'll just clap for everybody. So that's Central. What's the next one? There is the uh, Garner Campus right there. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Now let's go to the next one. There's the Sanford Campus. Sanford Campus. And let's go to the Latino Campus. All new members. Hey, if you're in any of those groups, welcome to membership at New Hope Church. It's very... Very exciting. Hey, let's go ahead and jump right in today. No time to play. Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9. 
Isaiah 9, uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 in just a moment. Uh, while you're turning there, if you're a guest, let me just kind of frame for you the series that we are in. We are in a series called what, church? You Got Christmas. And I mean, it is taken off on a groundswell kind of way throughout central North Carolina. I mean, guys, everybody's tweeting about it. John Clark from ABC, y'all know John Clark? He called me on Friday, did an interview, and uh, that's either going to be on the evening news or on his blog, I'm not quite sure, but he heard about it. I mean, this thing is going crazy, and here's the deal if you're new around here. What it is is that you can reach in the chair pockets if you're out of cards, and I hope you're out of cards. Take you another four or five cars today, guys. And uh, what we do is wherever we are, we actually look for opportunities to bless someone. Whether it buy them a coffee in a cafe or like yesterday, my family ran into this homeless woman who was on a street corner right beside the Burger King. So I asked her what she wanted and I got her a Whopper and a large fry and a chocolate milkshake in the name of Jesus. She had a dog named Chicken. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I said, I've never heard of a dog called Chicken. Why you name the dog Chicken? And her friend named it. And, uh, but then she gave us a piece of paper. I love these kinds of people. She gave, me a, gave us a piece of paper that she had, she had written them up saying that I'll do anything. I'll work. I'll, I'll, I'll wash your car. I'll cut your yard. And then she had a little sentence in there that really touched my heart. She said, please, no sexual advances. No, that's, that, that's, not, that's not a joke. That's serious. She was saying to people who, I guess, I guess, Men come to homeless people and make sexual advances for money. And, and that just broke my heart, but touched my heart at the same time. And, and so we're doing, not, not just me, I mean, everybody. Everybody's doing this all over the, the movement, and it's, it's catching traction. And uh, so, you know, ABC, and, and, and so it's all because, but I want to be clear before I read the text. Here's why we're doing it. We're not doing it for PR reasons. We're not spreading the love throughout central North Carolina because it makes us feel good, but it does. But that's not why we're doing it. We're spreading the love throughout central North Carolina because we got Christmas 2,000 years ago. We got Christmas with the greatest Christmas gift anyone could ever imagine, ever hope for, and his name is Jesus. But in the Old Testament, 800 years before Jesus, Isaiah the prophet... Isaiah the prophet named Jesus. And that's what this series is all about. We're looking at four names of Jesus. And last week was Wonderful Counselor. And again, if you missed it, oh, go to the Resource Center. Pick it up today or go to my blog, BenjiKelly.com. And the sermon is always put there by Sunday evening. It's there. Um, but you don't want to miss that because this week just kind of builds on each other. And you don't want to miss a single week of this series. So in Isaiah 9... I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to read verse 6 together. And uh, why don't we stand at all of our campuses? Why don't we stand in honor of God's word? Isaiah 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. The people, verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, hello, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke. You've done what? Shattered 
the yoke. It's like last week, we shattered the glass that represented all of our sin. He has, ours is a shattering God, church. Shattering the sins and the yoke that burdens us. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Now, verse 6, out loud, together, it's going to be on the screen. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Let's continue. And he will be called, what church? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We ask that you speak to us through your word. We give you thanks for what you are doing in our midst. We yield. We humble ourselves before the authority of God's word. Shape us, Father. Let us not leave here unchanged today. We praise you and we worship you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Ours is a mighty God, church. I said ours is a mighty God, church. Ours is a mighty God who is able to save. Let me just give you a few verses that frame it. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is Zephaniah 3, 17. Since you read the others so good, let's read it out loud. Zephaniah 3, 17. Ready? Go. The Lord your God is? He is? Mighty to save. Here's another one. Jeremiah 32, 17. You're doing so good. Let's go. Ready? Go. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Let's continue. Nothing is too hard for you. Read that again. Nothing is too hard for you. Oh, my Lord, that's good news. That's good news. And see, maybe you're here today and check it out. Maybe you're here and your marriage is a mess. Nothing is too hard for God. Maybe you're here today and you lost your job. Nothing is too hard for God. Maybe the doctor has given you a bad prognosis. Can I tell you, nothing is too hard for God. Maybe you're here and you've got the holiday blues. Nothing is too hard for God. Maybe you're here and you're wrapped up in a legal battle. Nothing is too hard for God. Maybe you're here and you had a miscarriage. Nothing is too hard for God. Maybe you're here and you're pregnant and you didn't want to be. Nothing is too hard for God. Ours is a God who is mighty. Amen? Now, that little word at the beginning of Jeremiah, that little word, ah, everybody go, ah. Oh, you can do better now. I mean, like, like you just took a bite of the best dessert you've ever had in your life. Ready, ready? One, two, three. Ah. Oh, the dessert got you going a little bit, I see. <laughs> and, and that really isn't the, 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 the true sound of the word in the Hebrew. It's actually more of a grunt. But what I want to let you know is that word, ah, that word in the Hebrew is omni. And, there are, and it has nothing to do with omni hotel, beloved. There are several omni attributes that you see in the Old Testament. God is omniscient. God is omniscient, the Bible says. Check it out. That means God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. That means God knew that you would come to church this morning. 
If you're a guest here and you didn't know which church you were going to go to, he knew. You might have thought you were going to the, 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 the new life right down the road. But God wanted you to have new hope instead of new life. Right? Next week, he might want you to have new, love, new life instead of new hope. He knows. Listen, he knows where you're going to go to eat lunch today, even if you change your mind five times. He knows. He knows where you would be living at this point in time. He knows where you will be living 10 years from here ago. He knows what your children are going to be doing if you're having children. He knows who they're going to marry. God, he knows if you've been naughty or nice. It's not just reserved for old Santa Claus. Right, right, right. He knows. He is an all-knowing God. God is omnipresent. Get you some of that. That means God, listen, is everywhere at the same time. And if you haven't taken out your teaching notes, what are you doing? Grab your teaching notes. Get that pen out in front of you or take some notes in your Bible. But God is omnipresent. That means God is everywhere all the time. Now, that's mind-boggling. He's everywhere all the time. Listen, that means no matter where you go, he is there. That means no matter where you have been, he was there. No matter where you go in the future, he will be there. He has been in existence from infinity past to infinity present. He is everywhere on planet earth. He's everywhere in all the galaxy systems that we know about. He's everywhere, beloved, in the galaxy systems that we might not even know about. He's everywhere. Ours is a God who is omnipresent. Psalm 139. I love the way the psalmist said when psalmist was at like wit's end. He didn't know what to do. He was trying to grapple with this omnipresence. He says this in Psalm 139. If I go up in the heavens, hello, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, or as some translations say, in Sheol or in hell, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn... If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Our God is everywhere all the time. Omni. Here's another omni attribute. God is omnipotent. That means God is able to do anything. Anything, church. Anything you can even begin to imagine God is able to do. This book is full of God performing signs and miraculous wonders. My life is full of God performing signs and miraculous wonders. I wonder if anybody else at any of our campuses would say that our God has done some signs and miraculous wonders in my life. Show of hands. Show of hands. Yeah, there's a lot of you. But I can't help but notice that some of your hands didn't pop up. And I couldn't have planned that any better. Here's why. You look around the world and you wonder where God's power is. You know you do. I do too. Can I just be honest with you that sometimes I look around the world and I see the famines and the wars. And on my bad days, sometimes I ask God, where's your power? Can I tell you that sometimes I look around the world and I see things like Syria. 
Over 40,000 people killed in the last year. And now the threat of chemical warfare. And on my bad days, I wonder, God, where's your power? I look at the United States of America, our beloved country. I realize I'm speaking to some young people, so some of you are going to disagree with me on this. You're going to think this is A-OK. But I look, at, I look at the fact that more and more states, with Washington State this week, legalizing same-sex marriages and marijuana. And so at midnight, I don't know if you saw it on the news, at midnight, they're out at the Space Needle, and baby, they are partying. And young people, you might think that's A-OK. I look at it, and I wonder, God, where's your power? I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at untimely deaths. I was journeying with a woman when I was a chaplain at Duke University's hospital. She was 28 years old, if I'm not mistaken. She had a child that uh, was born a little prematurely, but not, not too much. Umbilical cord wrapped around her neck and we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I, I stood with that woman all night long. And we prayed our hearts out. We cried our eyes out. We, 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 just, we saw the sun come up together over Durham right outside of Duke Hospital. And then that child died. And I got to tell you, as a theological student at Duke University, it, it shook me. And in a bad moment, I thought, God, where is your power? I look at cancer. I've had two men in this church in the last two months alone grab me with the fear of death in their eyes. And they're young and they have cancer. And on my bad days, I wonder, God, where is your power? And maybe you're here and you can relate with me. Maybe you're here and you have those days as well. And what I want to do in our remaining time together today is let you know that when we start looking out at the world and we start looking out at all of the sin and all of the decay and all of the destruction and we wonder where is God's power, we are way off base theologically and biblically because we don't look out at the world to see God's power. We actually start to look inside the life of a believer to see God's power. So if you got your teaching notes, you want to write this down. Jesus' power is at work in you. If you are a believer, it is at work in you. See, sometimes we get so obsessed with looking out there. I do. I watch the evening news like every single night. I usually fall asleep about halfway through it. My little cat nap. But when we look out at the world, we can get obsessed with what is wrong with the world and we can start blaming God for what is wrong with the world and we forget the very key biblical understanding that God has chosen to set this deal up where he unleashes his power, listen, in the heart and in the life of the believer. Philippians 2.13. Come on, you're so into scripture today. Let's read it. Philippians 2.13. Here we go. Ready? Go. For God is working, what church? In you, giving you the desire and the power to do what? Leave it up there, please. Leave that up there. For God is working where? 
giving you the desire and the power to do what? Oh, I, I wish it said what pleases you. Like, wouldn't that be a great verse if it said, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Benji. <laughs> or put your name in there. But that is not what the scriptures say. God doesn't say that he exists to please me. God says that he unleashes his power in the heart and the life of a believer. And that power is then manifested in doing things that please God. What that comes from, guys, when we, go, when we go away from that, we actually start living out this Christian life whereby we place self on the throne and not Jesus. And if you're anything like me, if you are not careful, you can slip into placing self, Benji, on the throne, you on the throne, instead of Jesus Christ. It is really hard to see the power of God in my life if I have myself on the throne. And it's hard for you. But when we take self off the throne and we put Jesus on the throne position of our lives in every single way, that is when God loves to unleash his power in the heart and the life of a believer. And can I say, this is where churches get all jacked up. This is where churches get all kinds of tension. This is where churches get backstabbing, gossip, politics, mean-spiritedness. I'm just wondering, have you ever been to a church like this? We don't name churches around here. And actually, I don't, I don't talk bad about churches. I love all churches. But let me just state the fact. The fact is we all know in this room and we've all been to churches where there is just this spirit of bitterness and gossip and just doggone meanness, right? And as I've told you before, I know there are parts of the body of Christ, but many of them are butts on the body of Christ. And, and so I, I know I've, I've shared that the last few times, uh, but here, here's the deal. What, 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 is, what is the situation? What is going on when that happens, when you have a bunch of butts in the body? What is the, what is the situation going on? Here's what's going on. You have people who have placed themselves on the throne and not Jesus. And so you have churches, and in small churches, it can be a couple dozen, a couple hundred. In big churches, it can be thousands. What you have is you have people who have put themselves in the throne position, not Jesus. They put Jesus on the side position. And so you have a bunch of people who have these competing agendas where they all want God to please them. And the reason this church, if I just might give credit where credit is due, the reason this church has been so free of that kind of mess, the reason this church has had a spirit of joy and enthusiasm and welcomeness and warmth and all of these things is because from day one, we keep trying to make sure there's no human being on the throne. There's no one on the throne but Jesus. That is so key. I mean, just, just Friday night, can I tell you a story? Those of you who follow me on Twitter, you, you saw this. There are some groups that I'm a part of. Some I want to be a part of. Uh, some I don't want to be a part of. Uh, this is a group that I want to be a part of. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm, at this, I'm at this big pastor's gathering Friday night, my lovely wife and I. And we, we've eaten dinner, and the night is over. And we're actually making our way to the exit door. 
And I'm just hugging on people, shaking hands, and people are coming up to us. And it, it's a good time. I mean, it's, it's this annual Christmas celebration that we look forward to every year. But this, this elderly pastor, I saw him making a kind of beeline for me. And he, he caught me at the exit door. And he said, well, you look better tonight. <laughs> Have you ever received a backhand compliment? You know what I mean? He said, you look better tonight. And I didn't think much of it. I said, well, I leaned down kind of to get close to his hearing aid. I said, well, thank you. He goes, I kid you not. He goes, what caused you to dress up? I, and I, I, mean, I, had, I had on some jeans, but they kind of looked dress pants. And I had on a coat, though. I had on a sweater and a coat. And, and I said, well, I just, just kind of felt like it, you know. He goes, well, I, I came to your church one time. And I saw you up there on the stage with them holy jeans on. And he goes, you're a pastor. You should be sanctified. And I was fine at this point in time. I was just taking it, man. I was rolling with it. I was having a good night. I was on a date with my wife. You can, yeah, you can slam this old boy all you want. But then he made a mistake. He goes, he started talking about my worship leader and, and the music here. He goes... And that there music y'all play, that's sacrilegious. <laughs> and my, my, I actually felt my blood start to boil. And, and my blood pressure kind of went up. And, and, and I said, well, you obviously follow us closely. I said... Did you, did you hear that 34 people accepted Jesus Christ last Sunday in the New Hope movement? And that's all. That's just the ones we know about from the Connect card. I said, did, did, did you hear that? He goes, well, you should be wearing a suit. <laughs> really? That's what he said. And I said, really? And I said, why is that so? Where do you, I actually asked, I said, where do you find that in the Bible? He said, well, Jesus would have worn a suit. <laughs> True story. I'm quoting you verbatim, beloved. And that's all I could do not to laugh. And then by this time, another pastor had come up because he could tell it was, it was getting good. And he, he, and, and he said, I didn't even have to say it. He took my back. He said, Mr. I forgot his name. He said, Mr. Blank, Jesus wore sandals. And probably a burlap robe or something like that. <laughs> and the old guy goes, well, well, I, I think he would wear a suit if he was here today. He said, you should be, he repeated himself, you should be sanctified. Which is, if you don't know what sanctified is, it's just a fancy theological word for you should be transformed to become more like Jesus. And when I couldn't take it anymore, I leaned down real close to his hearing aid. And I said, sir, it sounds to me like you're more concerned with the external package than the internal power of Jesus, which makes you a lot like the Pharisees. <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, I did. Uh, oh, I did. <laughs> and I didn't know you would enjoy it so much. <laughs> and then I ended with this. Bless your heart. 
and have a Merry Christmas. I did. I did. I did. Listen, when I place Jesus on the throne and I realize that he is supposed to be there and his desire is to unleash his power at work in me, not for my own comfort, not for my own agenda, but for the agenda of making Jesus Christ the famous one. Then we get a church, guys, that's built around the fruit of the spirit because Jesus is the Lord. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, goodness, all of these fruits of the Spirit. But when churches, listen, guys, churches can get off on this. And there's a lot of you, you're new here. We're growing like crazy. We just launched a new campus. You're new over there. And I just want to love you enough to let you know that if you are new... And you bust up in this church and you put self on the throne and you want everything and everybody to bow down to you. And what your preconceived notions are of external packaging. You will become a Pharisee in the worst kind of way. We are a church that lets Jesus work in us and we do everything we can do to put him on the Throne, if you believe it and desire it, let me hear a strong amen. Here, here's the second thing. So it's Jesus at work in you. Here's the second thing. Write it down. Jesus' power is at work for you. Oh, beloved, that's good news. I said Jesus' work is at work for you. Not only is it in you, but once you allow God to work in you, he then starts to work for you. What that means, beloved, is there is no power. There is no force. There is no resistance that can take you out of the game if God is working for you. Isaiah would say this in 54, 17, no weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This, I love the way it puts it. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from who, from who, from who? From your pastor? No. From me declares the Lord. This is what it looks like for God to fight for you. Leave that up there for a moment. No weapon or tongue forged against you will harm you. Some of you are here and you're in the midst of a battle. And you think the weapon is going to be forged against you will prevail. It will not prevail. If God battles for you. If you put Jesus on the throne. Here's another one. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He gives strength to the weary. And increases the power of the what? Weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble. And what church? Fall. But those who hope in the Lord will what? Renew their strength. Now that word youths in the Greek, you know what it refers to? It refers to an Olympic athlete. The Bible is saying even the best of the best, even the strongest human beings grow tired. And they get a little weak. Can I tell you something? I haven't felt it today. You guys are all in, and I'm trusting that the campuses are as well. But some of the staff and I, some of the pastors particularly and I, we've talked about how it seems here the last few weeks like we're coming to church kind of tired. 
like we're coming to church a little weak. And that's not a critique or that's clearly not a, a, a judgment upon you because, listen, the holiday season can be tough. The holidays stress a lot of people out. We worry about finances. Everything gets busy. So that is by no means a critique upon you. But can I just let you know that if you will focus on Christ at work in you and not the junk that's going on in the world, and if you will learn to trust him and surrender and let him work for you, you can actually have your strength renewed and he can unleash his power in your life and the Christmas season can actually be one of the most glorious, joyful seasons in the entire year. It doesn't have to be that way. Like the message on our magnets, beloved, this changes everything. If Jesus is working in you and then he works for you, that changes every single thing. So don't, don't let the weariness and the season take you down. Pastor Craig Rochelle is a pastor at Life Church, Oklahoma. You, maybe you've heard of it. Great church. I was, I was spending time with him last year. And, and he told me about a guy in his church. It actually happened during the Christmas season. Where a guy in his church was so down. And so depressed. And so just stressed out about life that he actually took a pistol and he wrapped a pillowcase around the pistol and he put it to the temple of his head and he pulled the trigger. Fortunately, the pillowcase got lodged between the hammer and the firing pin. And he said, when that happened, God let him know, I've got a purpose for your life. I'm not done with you yet. Allow me to fight in you and for you, and life can become meaningful and full of purpose and full of hope. And maybe you're not to that extreme, but, but maybe you are, beloved. If you are, let me tell you, there's hope. God loves you. God has a purpose for your life. There's meaning in it for you. I know that some people sit here every single Sunday and they're thinking about such drastic measures. Jesus wants to work in you. And he wants to work for you. And maybe you're here and it's not that drastic for you. Maybe you're here and you've just got something you've been struggling with your whole life. Or there's something inside of you that you can't get victory over. Or there's some existential force that is coming at you and it just has you in a bad place. I want to let you know that you're in good company. His name was the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul said this in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. He says, my grace... My grace is all you need. My power, my power works best in, come on church, what does it say? My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness. Now Paul had this thing that he called the thorn in his side. And it continued to hound Paul. We don't know exactly what it was. My best take on it from reading scriptures and scholarship is that Paul had a, a problem with his eyes. 
And it was his thorn in the side. He says, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness. Don't miss this. So that the power of Christ can work. What is it, church? Through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, in the hardships, and the persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So if you're here and your weakness is getting all of your attention, whatever that weakness might be, hardships, persecutions, famines, something medical, something internal, something relational, whatever it is, don't mistake the fact that God works in our weakness. And sometimes God will overcome it. And in Paul's case, God did not. But Paul learned to value that and treasure that it was in that weakness. That he, by Christ inside of him, was strong. So so first, we don't look at it the world. We actually understand that that Jesus' power is what? In us. At work in us. Secondly, it's Jesus' work is that power for us. And here's the third one. Oh, you don't want to miss this. Jesus' power is in at, at work through you. Through you. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible is Acts chapter 1, 8. Acts chapter 1, 8. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my Let's go. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, that's one of the most remarkable realities of being a Christian that I could ever begin to imagine. Think about it. That the God of the universe not only works in you, he will not only fight his battles and your battles For you. But God Almighty, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, sits above the vault of the earth, the God who is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. Almighty God would actually choose to work through you. That is absolutely mind boggling. And you might be sitting here going, well, that's through people like you. No! It's through ordinary people. I'm going to bounce around and I'm sure the technicians can follow me. But later on, I talk about how in the book of Acts, since we're in the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 4, 13, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. Acts 4, 13, the Bible says this. When they saw the courage, I told you they would be all over it. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were... They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They they were what kind of men? What kind of men? Unschooled. What kind of men? Women? Ordinary. Got any unschooled people in the house? God wants to use you. Got any schooled people in the house? God wants to use you. Got any extraordinary people in the house? Yeah, he can use you too. But can I tell you something? He loves to work with ordinary people better. 
which gave me hope. He turned the world upside down with unschooled, ordinary men and women. Because they didn't put self on the throne. They put Jesus on the throne. And they realized that the world was going to hell in a breadbasket. And they realized things looked bad outside. But they didn't worry about that. They worried about letting God work in them, for them, and through them. And they turned the world upside down. Or right side up might be a better way of putting it. Remember in the beginning when I told you that I look out at the world sometimes and I get discouraged? Remember that? Remember how I talked about sex and maybe I mentioned it, maybe I didn't, but sometimes I I hear about this thing that's finally getting uncovered more and more. It's way more popular than we think. It's the whole um, teenage girl sex trafficking, sex trade thing underground network. It's all over the place. It's all over North Carolina. It's all over the United States of America. It is so horrific. One of my favorite ministries in the movement of New Hope now is Transforming Hope. Abby Tanaglia is a New Hoper and she had a she had a dream. She had a vision. She looked out at this horrific sex trafficking industry. And she could have got discouraged. She could have got defeated. She could have got depressed. But instead, she allowed Christ to work in her. She allowed Christ to work for her. And now she's allowing Christ to work through her. We have leveraged our church behind her. Your tithes go to help support this ministry every single month. And in a period of about 18 months, I'm guessing, and that's just a guess. Time flies, you know. It's probably it's a year to 18 months. In a period of 18 months, Abby Tanaglia has founded a nonprofit organization called Transforming Hope. We have purchased a home, which is the housing where we will take these women, rescue them from the sex trafficking trade, house them, pour into them, invest in them, love them. And just about four months ago, we got our very first young girl who was here last week and her name is D. We're going we're, we're to call her D. We're keeping all this on the DL. You can understand why. Her name is D. She's now entered into a dual education program. She's accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior of her life. She told Abby over Thanksgiving break and I quote, I love being here because I actually feel like I have a future now. Abby goes on to say she feels like she will actually get to do something with her life. And then just a matter of weeks ago, we got our second resident who we will call in. In. And we don't know where in is yet spiritually. But we do know that that there's a higher security risk. I want you to pray for her. Pray for the ministry. We're pretty sure that no charges have been brought against her pimp yet. But if N is willing to testify, that can happen. But here's my point again. We can sit around and look at the awful world. And get depressed. And without the hope of the gospel, let me tell you, it's depressing. 
If there wasn't the gospel in the world, I don't know that I could continue on. You know where I was running before I knew the gospel? This world is just one dang thing after another without Jesus. But if you know Jesus, even if you're ordinary, unschooled, or whatever the case might be, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your pedigree, regardless of your education, if you know Christ and he's living in you, And he's fighting for you. And most unbelievably, he's moving through you. That's when life becomes fulfilling and exciting and one great adventure. And you can actually help change the world. Or at least our little corner of it. Story came across my desk this week. That epitomizes what I'm talking about today. It's so fresh. I mean, it's hot off the press. Shanika Barrett. Shanika Barrett was standing in the cashier line at the Dollar Tree. And a new hoper decided to Christmas her. I guess if you're going to Christmas somebody, the Dollar Tree is a good place to do it. (laughs) That was not a part of my notes. That That just kind of came out. I can tell you a story about somebody who was in the line trying to Christmas the person behind them, not at the Dollar Tree. And, 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 and there, she asked the person what the price was. And it was like a fast food place, but it was like $70. <laughs> Obviously, the person was buying a lot of fast food. The person said, I was caught right there. What am I going to do? And they did the right thing. They still Christmas the person behind them. And rightly so. Amen? But anyway, back to my story. Shanika Barrett. Shanika Barrett is standing in the, the cashier line at the Dollar Tree. And this new hoper got their items and then decided to Christmas Shanika. And then she handed Shanika the card said, you got christmas Shanika received the blessing. Showed up at New Hope Sanford last Sunday. And after I shattered the glass and gave the invitation, Shanika Barrett got christmas again when she humbled her heart and accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of her life. And she's sitting in Garner today, and she said she was bringing her family. Welcome to the kingdom of God and New Hope Church, Shanika. That, that is what it means, church, to have the power of Christ in you. Fighting for you. And ultimately, ministering through you. And when you understand that, you understand that we are a movement. Listen, we are a movement of churches throughout central North Carolina. Now it's going to be beyond. And we are a movement that doesn't have one pastor or one minister. Somebody asks you how many ministers you have at your church. Please don't say one. Say, I don't know. Last time I I heard, I think we had about 5,000 ministers. They'll go, what? Because everyone is a minister. Everyone is a minister. You, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. Everyone is a minister. And can you just imagine? Can you imagine what could happen 
throughout the Carolinas, across the globe. If 5,000 new hopers take their eyes off the mess that exists in this world and instead invites Christ inside of them to live and breathe and move and then Christ starts unleashing his power in you and then he starts unleashing his power for you and can you imagine just imagine it imagine a church with 5,000 plus people where God is then working through you and me it's enough to take our collective breath away and it's his vision for the world he never said I was coming to make everything right in the world he said I was coming to set up my kingdom through a people called church And when they get it, when they allow Jesus, my son, to be on the throne of their lives and on the throne of that church, then I will start manifesting and unleashing my power in you, for you, and most exhilaratingly through you. All heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's pray together. Father God. Oh, Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you for your plan of salvation. Thank you, God, that that you bring hope, you bring peace, you bring purpose. Thank you for what you're doing in our church this Christmas season. Thank you for every person who sits here today at any of our campuses, Father, or even sitting at home in front of their television or the, the computer screen that that know you and they're starting to tap into this high voltage source of the Holy Spirit living and pulsating through them for great and mighty purposes in the world. Father, let this be a Holy Spirit infusion today for those who know you. They would understand that their lives are to be lived with a purpose. And that as we continue in this season of You Got Christmas, God, just take and use this church for great and mighty things, not for our own purposes, but for the glory and the honor and the praise and the ultimate worship of Jesus. But God, just like last weekend, I am certain there are people sitting here and they hear this and they so, 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 so desire it. They've wandered into this church, Father, not by coincidence. And as I talk about power outside of themselves, living in them, fighting their battles for them, and ultimately using their one and only life through them for a purpose such as God's work in the world. They desire that. They they hunger for that. That is you and you've You've never received this Christmas gift. You've never actually opened up your heart and invited mighty God to come inside. To clean up the mess, not that's in the world, but to clean up the mess that's in you. To unleash his power in you first.
and to fight these struggles and these battles and these sins for you. And if you're here and you deeply desire that your one and only life would be used for something significant in the world through you, if you've never accepted Christ, or you're here and you've come back to church and you've, you've been away from God for a long time, and you want to receive mighty God inside of you, beloved, His name is Jesus. And if that is you, I just want to invite you just to raise your hand right where you are right now. Nobody's looking. Eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. Just raise your hand right where you are. Just raise it up. Yes, I see you over here. Raise it up high. Yes, I see you back there. Right here. Yes, God bless you. You, yes. Anybody over here? Everybody just raise your, raise your hands. At our campus level, just raise your hand right where you are. All heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Father, I thank you for those folks who are receiving the Christmas gift of Jesus right now. God, thank you that the Bible says that there's a party in heaven taking place over these, your children, who repent and turn to you. Father, unleash your power in them. Save their souls. Forgive their sins. Unleash your power in them, for them, and through them. To the glory and the honor of Jesus. If that's you and you raise your hand, just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart today. Thank you for Christmas in me 2,000 years ago. Thank you that you are a mighty God. I need your power. I need your might. I need your love. I need your purposes. I receive you this day. And to the best of my ability, I will live for you all the days of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. As the worship team comes out, listen, if you just, if you just raised your hand, there were quite a few of you here, and I can only imagine there are quite a few at the campus level. Welcome. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. If you need a Bible, we give those away at our resource centers at all of our campuses. They're free. Later on, I'm going to invite you to mark your connect card, whether you accepted Christ or rededicated your life to Christ. But right now, I'm going to turn it back over to our campus pastors at the campus level. And we're all going to respond and celebrate and worship this power that God has given us. Stand to your feet, church. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me and lives in you. He is a mighty God. Amen, church? Let's worship Him as so. Let's sing to the top of our lungs. Let's celebrate what God has done in our lives. Let's celebrate the party that is taking place in heaven right now for the new believers who are among us. Let's worship Jesus. Amen. Here we go. Let's go. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.